welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 38 of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 330th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 3rd, 2017. I am Jared Morris, your host for this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. And remember, if you can't catch one of our shows live, you can always catch up with our podcast, which is available everywhere. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. All right, well, let's begin how we always begin, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment for me this week came actually yesterday during a conversation that I had with Gary Parrish of CBS Sports for Podcast on the Brink. And one of the questions that I asked Gary, who knows Archie Miller very well and was very, very positive about you know the, the choice of Archie Miller for Indiana and what he thinks Archie can do, I asked him what the reasons will be if it doesn't work out for Archie. I think we're all very uh, very aware of what the reasons will be if it does work out, and a lot of us are very confident that it will. So if it doesn't, what will those reasons be? Recruiting, you know, the wrong fit, you know, if that somehow happens, what will it be? And his answer, he kind of stopped and paused, and he said he's just never even considered it not working. <laughs> so he basically said he can't even answer that question because he just doesn't consider it a possibility. Now, he did say, you know, expecting multiple national championships might be a bit extreme and a little bit unreasonable in terms of expectations. But as he said, when you put a terrific coach at a terrific school, good things happen. He considers, obviously, Archie Miller to be a terrific coach and Indiana to be a terrific program. And so he's expecting big things, as we all are. So that made me very confident and even more excited about that future banner to be hung in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And I will say this, too. I think the football team deserves a little bit of mention with College Game Day uh, announcing that they will be there for the IU-Ohio State game, which is going to be awesome and an incredible way to kick off the college football season. And someone asked on Twitter who should do the picking uh, for the IU-Ohio State game, kind of represent Indiana. Uh, The name I threw out was Rob Finnessy, because that way if he picks IU, then he can pick IU over Ohio State twice. So that's my thought. Andy Ryan, you can give me your thoughts on uh, on who you think would be the best IU representative as well. But that was this week's Banner Moment, brought to you by our friends at HoosierProud.com. And now let me introduce my esteemed co-hosts for the evening. To my left, we have one of the world's most respected bracketologists and the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line from the past week in Indiana basketball? Uh, well, on, as on the football front, I'm so excited. Even for those watching on the video, I have a college game day shirt on to commemorate this uh, this event. So uh, certainly, certainly exciting. Will be a cool, uh, cool. Well, we know you there. I'm we sure. know you didn't get that at a game at Indiana. So absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, and and unlike Jared, who probably would have said somebody, you know, some some uh, famous writer or somebody gave it to him. I got this shirt from Lee Corso or something like that. I, I didn't drop that in, but. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, for me, I think a couple other schedule things came out this week. So that's, you know, every week it feels like that gets a little bit closer to uh, to being finalized. I think generally, uh, you know, not not a bad one for IU in terms of, um, you know, Big Ten schedule uh, with how that came out. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. I think some of the, the single play road games, uh, I think they caught some breaks there. And, and again, as we kind of talked about, you know, maybe one of those is one of those early season games that uh, could benefit. But, the, you know, the one that. It has yet to be confirmed, but has at least been reported on on Crimson Quarry. I'm not sure if any place else was around the uh, potential season opener against Indiana State, which I think would be cool. And I think, uh, you know, we've talked about a few things, wanting to figure out how to play, you know, some of the other schools in and around um, the state. I think that certainly uh, helps to do that. Uh, we, you know, we saw that, you know, playing, you know, 
IPFW last year didn't work out so well, but um, you know, I think it, you know, playing Indiana State, a team from a, a solid um, Missouri Valley Conference that you know is one that's probably while it might not be a great RPI win uh, if if they're able to do it, is not going to be a, a terrible blemish on there either. So I think you know some of those kinds of things on on relatively you know, short notice in terms of putting the schedule together. I think they've done a pretty good job. So uh, it feels like not too many more games really to be announced, and we'll have a good uh, good idea of the season and start planning out post-game shows. And to my right, we have a San Diego native who is absolutely reveling in what he is certain is God's curse on Dean Spanos. He's a columnist for the big lead, and he is someone who, much to his surprise, did not make inside the Hall's list of the top 25 players in the Big Ten, which we're going to talk about here in a bit, but... He has seen tape on all of them. He actually discovered 21 of them, and he's certain he could beat the other four one-on-one. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what do you want to rant about this week? It's funny. With all my with my intro every week, it's like you're living in my brain. I don't know how you do it, Morris, that, but it's impressive. I, ju- uh, I try actually, to channel you with these intros. I, you know, it was a slow week for Indiana basketball news, so I kind of want to go personal with my rant. Um, a high school in San Diego, a K through 12 Christian high school, Horizon Christian, uh, shut down this week shockingly. Uh, this is a school that produced several NBA players: Jared Dudley, uh, Jeff Whitey, who played at uh, Withy, who played at Kansas. Uh, a bunch in there as well. I don't, you know, uh, several guys and a lot of top college talent. And it's shockingly shut down. So a lot of teachers uh, are out of uh, are out of jobs. A lot of coaches are out of jobs, and uh, a lot of uh, students are having to switch schools. This was a team that my high school faced three straight years or three out of four years in high school. We faced them in the city championship for basketball and lost all three times because they were so good. They were able to recruit like the best players under the guise of well. It's a Christian school. They want to go get a religious education and, you know, no other schools are allowed to recruit, but Hey, you know, they were within the rules. They did what they did. Um, and they had phenomenal teams to the point where we were the, in the, in the small school division, uh, statewide, but there were a lot of really good small school basketball teams and they would go compete against the top big school teams and beat them repeatedly. And, uh, so it's really sad for me, uh, that that school is closing. I know it doesn't really relate to a big part of our audience, but you know, support your local uh, schools, public or private, um, because it is kind of sad when one has to has to shut down and, and loses its funding. Um, but one thing I will say is, if they were twenty years too late, because I would have won three city championships if they had shut down before I was in high school. So it's kind of a bummer that they shut down now. I, I don't get to, to benefit from that. But no, seriously, uh, you know, that was that was a sad note for me this morning, sort of uh, one of one of our high school rivals uh, to see that school shut down. So uh, I guess it's good for my high school. Maybe they'll they'll be able to win some championships now. But uh, sad for that one. And uh, let's uh, let's move on to some Indiana stuff after that. And we're excited to welcome back 99.95% of our audience that is not based in San Diego. Hey, you know what? It's a general topic, all right? (laughs) All right, well, we do have a packed show for you tonight about Indiana topics. We promise we're going to get into the latest on Indiana's schedule. Andy kind of alluded to it there during his bottoms line. We're going to talk more about that. We will break down inside the Hall's top 25 Big Ten players, how many Hoosiers made the list. We've got a few good questions on Twitter, and we got a question about the assembly call origin story, and we're going to talk about that. I actually dug up the original email that I sent to Andy uh, with the idea, so I'll read you part of that as well. All of that and more on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. 
First, real quick, a quick word about this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets, which I have done for basketball games, for concert tickets. If you're looking to go to that IU-Ohio State football game, go on SeatGeek, find tickets there. It is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever, because SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals for you. Best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And I've actually had I don't know, three or four people just in the last couple of weeks let me know that they used the code, everything worked great, so... Go use the code. Get your tickets from SeatGeek. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. And Andy, let's actually jump in a little bit more to the schedule talk. Uh, I think that's a good a good topic for us to hit right here real quick. You know, you mentioned opening with Indiana State. And Indiana State, a team that wasn't great last year, they've actually kind of been getting progressively worse the last few years. But they are still a team that's been, I think, at least in the top 200 in Ken Palm the last five years. And as recently as five, six years ago, they were a top 100 team. So it's certainly better than, you know, some of the cupcakes that we have seen uh, come through. And we also found out the single-play home and away games for Indiana's Big Ten schedule. So Indiana, the single-play home games will be Purdue, Maryland, Northwestern, and Penn State. And what jumps out to me about all of those is those are road venues that Indiana has really struggled in lately. So nice that we don't have to go visit any of those. The single-play away games for Indiana are Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan, and Nebraska. So at least we don't have to waste a home game on Rutgers. Uh, But obviously going to Wisconsin and not getting a chance to beat them at Assembly Hall, uh, that's not such a great thing. But what else jumps out to you, Andy, about the schedule? You know, I thought the road games, I think if you look, you know, Nebraska Rutgers, I think most people are going to project them to be bottom two in the league. So a chance to pick up a couple road wins. We know how important those can be. Um, You know, Michigan will certainly be a tough one there. And Wisconsin, you know, we've all got the demons from the Kohl Center. But if ever there was a year um, where there's a lot of transition on the roster from Wisconsin, I think we talked about this in one of those conversations about, you know, who would you want to play in those early Big Ten games? You know, is it one of those? Is that do you, do you hit them at a good time? So I, I think um, certainly, a, you know, two and two feels like a minimum in those games. And then the home games, I mean, you're playing, you know, of, of most people have Purdue and Northwestern, I would say, in the top four in the league that they would project. But you get, you know, those two on your home floor gives you a little bit better chance to win, pick up quality wins there. I think Maryland is kind of in that next tier uh, down with you know the freshman they had last year should uh, you know should certainly be be a good team. So again, another one probably would rather not face on the road. Uh, you know, Penn State just seems like you know weird games between those two teams. So who knows what'll happen there? So you know, overall, I don't think too bad when you look at the the double plays that we had already known about for a while. Illinois uh, should be more toward the bottom of the league. Ohio State's in in a transitional period, but then you've got Michigan State and Minnesota. You know, two of the other kind of top four. Uh, and then Iowa one in the middle. So I, I think fairly good balance um, would certainly rather 
you know, not waste single play home games on Nebraska and Rutgers. So that to me is a, is a positive thing. And, um, you know, we know how hard it is for teams, no matter how good they are to come into assembly hall. So I think that'll be, uh, you know, I think all in all, not too bad, probably middle of the road. I haven't compared to others, but, uh, I think a lot of things to like, at least initially from a scheduling standpoint, the other interesting news, and this came out in the Indiana release, it's not official yet, but it sounds like we are on the path toward certain rivalries in the big 10 being protected. Indiana, Purdue being one of them, Michigan, Michigan, state being another obviously on the one hand you could look at that as a disadvantage for indiana and purdue because they tend to be two of the better schools in the league uh but i think everybody agrees including everybody i've talked to from both fan bases that those two teams should play twice every single year home and away without exception i certainly agree with that ryan do you see any reason why that shouldn't be a protected rivalry um, you know, I mean, I get it in the unbalanced schedule, why they do it. Uh, I, I guess like everybody else, I'd love to see it stay as it is just like, I'd like to see, you know, Michigan, Ohio state play every year, despite an unbalanced schedule and football and, and things like that. I mean, there's certain things that you kind of want to happen every year. Um, so I think, I don't know. I, 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 first of all, I think it's a good thing that Archie Miller doesn't have to go to Mackey in his first year, um, that it, that that one game is at you know Assembly Hall. Not that I think we're worried about going into Mackey. I think it's just good that if we're going to get one game in his first year, it's nice to get introduced to the rivalry at home, I think. Um, so I think that's a positive. But yeah, I do. I would like to see that uh, that rivalry happen every year. Uh, you know, one at each spot. Just like I'd like to see Kentucky happen every year. Uh, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Doesn't mean I get to have what I want. But you know, that would be a nice thing to have. Just because it seems to always have been the way that we've done it. Um, but you know, there have been a couple times in recent memory where they only played once, and you know, it does feel like an empty, a, a, a bit of an empty trip when that happens. I think it's interesting. I, I, you know, I like it for IU purposes, obviously, but you, then you start to kind of look down the list and it's like, who are the natural, you know, I, I don't know because there hasn't been an official release. Do you actually have one of those for everybody? So, you know, you could certainly see IU Purdue, probably Michigan, Michigan state type thing. Everybody's trying it's to like, claim who Rutgers as the rival. Who do you match? Yeah. Long, long hated rival with Rutgers. Yeah. So that's what I don't really understand is that like, maybe they did, maybe they don't bother and try to it sounded uh, like there was only you know, going to be three, like yeah, for... Illinois, Northwestern, the other one, or uh, along with Michigan, Michigan State, yeah. and that that was it. Okay, all right. Well, that would be okay. Yeah, because that's where I could see it start to become more of a disadvantage. To your point of, yeah, you know, most years IU and Purdue are going to be pretty good, but it's really more the fact that, oh well, if I know I'm somebody and I, you know, I'm Maryland and I'm, you know fighting with Rutgers for the, you know, Eastern, you know, the big 10 Eastern seaboard, um, you know, how you try to figure that out. So that, that's, that's, I can good see Wisconsin, that Minnesota also. I can see Wisconsin, Minnesota also. I mean, that's not yeah. a great rivalry, but the States are rivals of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they could play for the same acts they play for in football. I mean, that could be exciting. <laughs> you know, you know, Wisconsin would win and just take an ax to the barn in general, just start hacking away at that place and tear it down. No, no one here would be opposed uh, to that, especially Josh Newkirk. All right, uh, that does it for our first segment here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. We are going to break down the always entertaining inside the hall list of the top 25 players in the Big Ten who made it from Indiana. We'll tell you. Stick around. It's coming up. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. And gentlemen, let's jump in and discuss the list of the top 25 Big Ten players put out. Uh, it's a joint post every year by our friends at Inside the Hall, uh, Alex Bozich and then Dylan Burkhart at UM Hoops. They do this every year. 
the countdown of the top 25 players in the Big Ten. Last year, Indiana obviously was very well represented on that list with guys like OG Ananobi and Thomas Bryant and James Blackman Jr. Uh, fewer Hoosiers making the list this year. Uh, there were two guys who made the top 25. Uh, Ryan, real quick, can you name them? Who do you think Indiana's two representatives are? I would say Deron Davis for sure, and I would guess because he's a senior and he had a bunch of career highs last year, it would be Robert Johnson would be the other. Who do you think is higher? Deron. Okay, so Deron Davis did make the list. He was actually a tie for 25th with Mike Watkins from Penn State. Robert Johnson came in at 13th. And wow, it that is interesting. Me. I mean, it's interesting. Now, you know, part of that could be obviously we have spent so much time talking about Duran and his potential, and we saw the flashes of his production last year. But you got to remember, for from a perspective outside of Indiana, what Duran Davis did last year probably isn't that impressive when you just kind of look at him if you aren't, you know, watching this stuff minute by minute like we are. So, you know, Alex probably had him higher than Dylan did, and maybe that's what you know, kind of, uh, kind of well, accounted for that. But I, I think also, let me just jump in real quick. I think also we know how valuable Duran will be to the team. Yes. And I think that is why we rate him higher than some other guys. I, I thought it would have been like 15 and 16 or something you know, close. I didn't think there would yeah. be much of a discrepancy. Um, but I would say that I think Duran, I, I guess it depends on your criteria. Cause I think Duran will be a more important player and may actually put up better numbers because of how much the focus will be. And we have other guards who will split the split, you know, stats with Robert. So uh, I guess it depends on the criteria you're using, but I think that for sure in our minds, Duran is a, is a more valuable player to the program right now than, than Robert is obviously Robert's got leadership qualities and things like that, that will be as be very important as well. So I'm not discounting his importance, uh, but I would have certainly put Deron Davis ahead of, of Robert, uh, not just because I've always been high on him, but because I think that there is that extra added bonus of his, of his importance to the team. Andy, Robert Johnson at 13th. How does that strike you about right? Think yeah, that, I mean, no, that, that seems right to me. I, I think what's interesting when you kind of look at, at Duran and some of the guys who are immediately in front of him, for the most part, um, and because maybe this is a, a, you know speaks to the overall you know kind of quality of the Big Ten, there aren't a lot of one-and-done type guys that, that are there. Most of the guys in front of, of Duran are a bit more established or ha- have kind of proven that they can – um, do it in a you know in the size of a role uh, that he's going to have this year, and I think that probably speaks a lot to why Robert Johnson is there. Certainly, there's a little bit of projecting forward with him to try to say, you know, he's going to need to pick up the slack from a scoring standpoint with you know with James Blackman gone, with Thomas Bryant gone, uh, and those kinds of things. So, uh, I, yeah, they feel right to me. I, I think you know you could certainly make an argument that when this is all said and done, maybe those two are flip flopped, or at the very least, you know, Duran could be the guy who rises the most um, of the people who are on this list. But I think for now, based on what we know, what we've, what we've seen, um, it's, it, it's a little bit tough to project some of these guys. And, and so it seems like they kind of, you know, put Duran in the lower end with the, the thought that there's probably some upward potential there. Yeah. I, uh, at the big lead, we did our top 50 college basketball players for this season. And there was one who's on it. It was Robert Johnson. He slipped in at 45 and, uh, here's what we wrote about him. I mean, just for a perspective for you guys, uh, a three-year starter for the Hoosiers, Johnson averaged a career high in points, rebounds, and three pointers, uh, three pointers, uh, made and minutes per game in 2016. He's a fantastic on-ball defender, uh, who should fit perfectly in Archie Miller's system. I think that's, that's kind of where we're at with, with him 
right now. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the general belief is that, is that he's going to fit really well in what Archie Miller's doing. And just for another Big Ten perspective, number two on the list, uh, just behind Michael Porter Jr., the freshman for Missouri, number two was Miles Bridges of Michigan State, who I believe was number one, is going to be number one on the inside the hall list. Yeah. You know, let's also just Not remember- spoiler alert, by the way, because that's coming out tomorrow. Yeah, that's coming out. Yeah, so we, don't, we actually don't know uh, the order of the top five, although with a list like this, you can kind of guess who the top five guys are when they're the only ones who yeah, haven't been released. Miles just has to be number one. He has to be number one. And then your favorite player, Ethan Happ, probably is number two. Uh, but, he, was number 15. He, he was number 15 on the, the, the big lead list, and uh, I, I argued vociferously against I'm that. sure you did. Well, if it was a list of people who travel the most every time they touch the ball, he'd oh, certainly he'd be number, be number one. one yes. But that's, you know, that's not what we're measuring here. So um, Okay, so one more point on Robert Johnson. Let's just remember, you know, Robert averaged 12.8 points per game last year. Another guard who averaged 12.8 points per game in his junior year was Greg Graham. And going into his senior year, he probably would have been rated around 13th or 15th, something like that in the conference. Had a huge senior year. Graham bumped up to 16.5 points per game. You know, defensive player of the year in the conference. We will see where Robert Johnson ends up. But, you know, I think, you know, we talk a lot about Deron Davis's potential. And, and sometimes it, the reason I mention this, obviously, because I love getting mentions of Greg Graham in there. But the reason I mention yeah, this is, you guys are, by the way, if you guys are at home, you can drink. The Greg Graham mention came through. So go ahead, take a drink. So sometimes, you know, we look at a guy who's been around for three years and we think that, you know, he probably doesn't have potential. We kind of know what he is. You know, this is you kind of know what to expect. And you do. But, you know, he's still in college and with a great offseason and with a new role and a new system, you know, he very well could jump up and have an even better season. So I think it's important, you know, to not think that we've seen everything that we can see from Robert Johnson. There's still a lot of untapped potential there. And again, you know, a guy like Greg Graham showed that uh, in Indiana history. So just something to something to remember, something to keep in mind. Uh, You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. We were talking about the top 25 players in the Big Ten, the list put out by Inside the Hall and UM Hoops. So here's the thing. You know, Indiana has two players on this list. There are three teams with four players, Michigan State, Minnesota, and Purdue. You know, they're kind of the favorites uh, in the Big Ten. Michigan has three. Northwestern has three, if you include the guys mentioned in the honorable mention. Uh, I think for Indiana to, you know, get out of that middle of the pack and maybe compete, you know, and be fourth or fifth or even higher in the Big Ten, if we were to do a list like this at the end of the year, there need to be more than two names on it. So my question for you guys is, I think we would all agree that the most obvious name for who it would be would be Juwan Morgan. And I think if Indiana is going to succeed, Juwan Morgan needs to be healthy. And if he is, I think he can be a top 25 player. Who's the other guy after Juwan that you think has potential at the end of the year to be on a list like this? Andy? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I feel like he's he's the obvious answer. I, I think you know, when we start looking at value for IU's team, you would put Colin Hartman in that conversation. I just don't know if numbers wise, you know, when it's all said and done that, uh, you know, he ends up being a guy who, who finds his way there. So, um, that's a tough one. I, you know, if Devonte green really settles into the point guard role, but again, I just don't know that he would score, uh, you know, quite enough to, to be there. So, you know, kind of makes you wonder if, you know, could a freshman really make a, a big leap in, a, in something there? But I, I don't think there's an obvious next choice, not to me at least. You're missing the guy. Ryan, do you know who it is? It's Devontae Green for me. That That is who it is. And Curtis Jones is in the mix as well, but I think he's got Bingo. a long way to go. And I don't know if he'll get there this year, but I think we'll see him on the path to be on the list next year. 
Uh, but I, I don't know if he'll if he'll do enough to get there this year. Uh, but, but I guess Green, what I'm saying is, I, if I mean, if we assume that Indiana will be a top three, top four team in the Big Ten, like if that's what happens, to me, Curtis Jones is the guy who makes that jump. I, I'm not saying it will happen, although I'm very high on him. But he seems like the guy with the biggest ceiling among those that is such a big question mark because he could. I mean, he's I, got I, the skills to be a go-to scorer if he can put it together. No, I agree. I just think from what we saw last year, I think the leap is too far from that to this year. I think he could be a very good bench, you know, points off the bench guy. Um, but I don't think he's going to be there yet to take over games scoring wise or to provide a huge lift scoring wise. I think he'll be a nice piece and could be at his peak, could be a really nice score and maybe even a starter, uh, you know, towards the end of the year. But the guy that I think is is the guy that you target is, and I, I agree with Andy that I think Colin Hartman would be the first name you think of, other than than Juwan Morgan. But I agree, I don't think the number is ever going to be there, and I don't think that he is a guy who numbers are the key to what he does. He does so many of those Colin Hartman things, uh, and so there are things that don't show up in the box score uh, that make him valuable. The guy I think is going to be uh, would be on that list if Indiana has a successful season is Devonte Green. So what do we think about the the non-Indiana players on there? I mean, obviously, Michigan State is loaded. Four players in the top 16. And you look at a guy like Jaron Jackson, who's number 16, a potential top 10 pick. I mean, he could be you know first or second team all Big Ten, and no one would be shocked. Minnesota with four guys, uh, and obviously Purdue with four guys. I mean, Andy, as you look through the list, do you think it's pretty representative of how you, you know, kind of have the teams stacked up in your mind heading into the season? Yeah, I think the one, if if you want to look at, you know, kind of a top four, even as I just look through, you know, some of these preseason top 25s, which, you know, take those all with a, a grain of salt, but the ones that have been updated, uh, you know, since the, the draft declarations and things like that, I mean, those three are consistently ranked the highest, and Northwestern's the other one. I think part of that, you know, they've got, uh, Vic, uh, I think Vic Law was in the honorable mention, perhaps, uh, and uh, you know certainly Bryant McIntosh is in there. Maybe Vic Law was one of the uh, one of the other guys. He was honorable um, mention. No, he was honorable well. mention. And then Scotty Lindsay was in there. So, I, you know, to a certain extent, the way they play uh, is not necessarily such that that they're going to get a ton of guys. Um, you know, a ton of guys there. But uh, so th- they would be the one of the other teams that that seems to be thought of by most to be toward the top there. But I think yeah, generally that that shakes out pretty well. And then. Really, your next tier after that, you've got, I'd say, you know, Michigan, maybe Maryland, um, and they kind of come in next in terms of number of players. Iowa's a little interesting to me just in the sense that, you know, they lost Peter Jock, but they do have everybody else back. Uh, Tyler Cook made the list. I think Jordan Bohannon was an honorable mention, but they just played so many guys last year. They had, you know, they got a lot of guys back, but, um, you know, only a couple who who average in double figures, even though virtually everyone is uh, is there so I think they they'd be an interesting team for me just to watch as as the season goes on as to how they do um, and Wisconsin I think most people would say it's interesting to only have one but when you really look at it there aren't a lot of known commodities on that roster besides Ethan Happ so we can all assume that there'll be some obscure guy that we haven't heard a whole lot about that's going to step up and um, go through it that way but I uh, you know that that's kind of one that might jump out just in terms of where we think in our minds think they're going to be to only have one player but uh but I think when you look at their roster, there's not a clear-cut other choice. Is there anybody down on the list other than Deron Davis that you think you know could really finish higher? I mean, I mentioned uh, Jaron Jackson, who I think is a guy who could who could easily jump up higher. Uh, you know, I actually look at it and Carson Edwards at 23. He's an interesting guy. Had yeah, a, that's one I thought. He's of. had a big summer. Uh, you know, obviously he's you know the, he's going to be able to take more of a lead role now with Caleb Swanigan gone he seems like a guy uh, who could end up you know a little bit higher on that list too Ryan anybody jump out 
to you? I think Mo Wagner is going to fall down that list. Um, I, I think he's a guy who should have gone pro. I think he rode a really high wave last year and really had a good stretch of games before the end of the season. And I think that he should have declared, he should have stayed in the NBA draft. I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to fall a little bit this year. Um, guys will be looking for him. That team's, I don't think that team's going to be as good as it was last year. Uh, they kind of snuck up on people last year. And, and I think that that Michigan team is not going to be as good. So I think Wagner is going to fall. I think Bryant McIntosh might fall as well, just because I think that again, teams are going to be game planning to stop him and beat him up a little bit. And, and, um, so I think he might fall a little, um, as far as people getting to jump up, I mean, you're right. I think Jaron Jackson could be a big one. I think, I think I know Nick Ward is ranked eighth, but I think that he and Cassius Winston could both have big years from Michigan state with so much focus on miles bridges. Um, so those are, those are the things God, they're loaded you know, this year. They really are. Jeez. I mean, it's, it's dangerous. If you're going to have a first year, uh, it, when, People are going to give you a break on not winning the Big Ten. Uh, Archie Miller picked the right year because everybody's going to have Michigan State pick to win it and to be in the mix for a national title. And then everybody's going to leave because they are a loaded team with a ton of NBA talent. Um, so, yeah, as far as like guys are going to jump up, those are those are the two that, that those are the two groups that that. Uh, uh, that sort of popped up to me. I don't think he, I think Ethan Happ's going to have a, another good. Uh, season, although he'll be traveling all over the lane. Um, but, you know, clearly they don't call it, so whatever. Uh, but, yeah, those those are the guys who jumped out to me. So we've had San Diego mention and Ethan Happ traveling mention, so your Ryan Phillips bingo cards are filling up quickly tonight, folks. Well, you you dropped Greg Graham and dropped the name in your intro, so yours are, yours are already full. Perfect, perfect. Uh, just a couple, couple quick ones for me that are a little bit further down the list. I think Jay Sean Tate from Ohio State is an interesting one just because they don't have a whole lot left. Um, so whether he really becomes that much better of a player, I think numbers wise, he's probably going to put some up. Uh, you mentioned Carson Edwards. Uh, I think Tony Carr, Penn state's another interesting one. Uh, it feels like we talk about them every year as maybe being able to kind of finally get things together, but he averaged, you know, 13 points, you know, almost five rebounds and four assists last year as a, as a freshman. So I think, um, as a guy who could, you know, potentially make that leap if they end up having a, a good season and they've got, you know, a decent number of guys back, uh, as well. So. Those would be the other couple that we didn't mention so far. I think we should create Ryan Phillips bingo or assembly called bingo for people to play along with at home. Well, here in San Diego, they have Comic-Con bingo since we're <laughs> since every time I mention San Diego, it's a bingo. Oh, look at this. Uh, time for a break. Yeah. OK, yeah. here we go. So that, that yeah, ends this Comic-Con segment. Bingo. I don't understand that, why they can't. That ends the segment. Stick with us. Uh, we have Twitter questions coming up. Someone asked us about the assembly call origin story. And so we were going to tell that coming up next on the assembly call. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. By doing so, you will get our weekly Six Banner Saturday News Roundup delivered right to your inbox each Saturday or Sunday morning. So you can stay up to date with your Hoosiers during the offseason and even once the season begins. The URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And this is usually the part of the show where we do our Twitter Q&A. And so we're going to do that, uh, but we're going to spend probably this entire segment on one question. And this question comes to us from Courtney. Thank you for submitting this question, Courtney. She says, maybe you've already covered this, but I'd like to know the history of the Morris Bottoms Phillips relationship, how the show came to be. And it's interesting, like I think we've we've kind of alluded to it and maybe talked about it in generalities, but we've never really told the actual story. And it's interesting because I'm not sure a lot of us remember the actual story as we were just talking about some of the details uh, off air. 
But I went back today to prepare for this, to look at the initial emails that we all sent uh, kind of about this. And I found the very first email that I sent to Andy. Now, to set the context for this, we all knew each other at this point. I had started a sports blog called Midwest Sports Fans, and Andy was writing you know, some great college basketball articles for that. Uh, I think you were doing a podcast at the time, uh, the Bottoms Line podcast. I think you had already started doing that as well. Uh, yeah, I think I was doing like fancy football writing too or something like that. Yes. So I don't yeah, I think you were. We were doing a lot of fantasy back then. And and Ryan, were you writing for Midwest Sports fans, or did we just know each other no, through Yard Barker? I was working. I, I was running Rumors and Rants, my sports website, and we had done a few joint ventures. We live blogged yes. the draft together a few times, and we had gotten to know each other a little bit through that. Um, you know, we I I when I was aware of Midwest Sports fans, I had no idea you went to IU, and then we kind of through that got to know each other as as going to IU. But yeah, we kind of became buddies through that. I think. Yeah. And. But more business buddies. I didn't know you very well. We didn't know each other very well. I know. The, you, didn't know you, you didn't know what you were in for. Yeah. Well, I mean, the irony of the three of us. I mean, there were warning signs probably, but to be fair. <laughs> yes. The, you know, the great irony is the three of us all graduated from IU, but didn't, and, and now we're doing an IU show, but none of us knew each other until, you know, we started doing the show or just, you know, maybe a year before, you know, through blogging. So that. that You've still only been in the same room several times. Right. I mean. Yes. So, okay. So we, go back to. Yeah, so here's the first email. So this is an email that I sent to Andy. So Andy, what are your thoughts on doing the IU post-game report slash call-in shows? I envision us hopping on a conference call, giving our impressions of the game, and then taking callers. It'll take a while to build it up, so it'll be mostly us talking at first, but it could be A, fun, and B, a great way, a great way to promote the bottom's line and your burgeoning profile as a college basketball expert. Of all the things I've learned doing this blogging nonsense in three years, one of the best pieces of advice regarding building a loyal audience is to start with a small niche, give value, and expand. I hate that your columns aren't getting more traffic because they are outstanding, and part of the reason is that not enough people know that they should trust your opinions yet. Doing a podcast like this can build you tons of credibility with IU fans, one of the 10 best college basketball niches to target, in my opinion, in terms of fervor, knowledge, and reach, which will help spread to the rest of what you're trying to do. Thoughts? If you're up for it, I'd love to do a trial run Saturday night after the exhibition game. Also, we need a name. We can go with something punny like the Assembly Call podcast or something generic like Hoosier Hoops Report, except not that since it's already in use. Let me know if you have ideas. And then, Glad to see we went with the very first idea that anyone threw out. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do right. it. Didn't even question it. <laughs> Just, yeah. And that's... That's where it came. So that, and I had forgotten about that angle of trying to help you promote up what you were doing. And obviously, you know, we've done that. You've written bracketology for the assembly call for a while. Uh, but, and I forgot that it was, you know, we had talked about it. Ryan wasn't involved in it at that time, although he came in quickly. Uh, but yeah, did you, rem- do you remember that at all? I, I mean, as you read that, like parts of that sounded familiar to me. I mean, that was when I was still like working a regular job as I am now, but also like trying to really get into college basketball writing, which was a, a challenging thing to do with the small child at home. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I, I think that was the year I just spent tons of time doing college basketball stuff. I did a podcast with Rob Doster, who's now at NBC, and that was when he was running Ballin' as a Habit, and he and, and Troy Macker would come on the podcast, and, and we would do that. So at that point, like, Name dropper. you could have you could have convinced me to do, yeah, exactly. Um, so you could have convinced me to kind of do anything to build that. I think I was at that point when like I was really trying to go full force of that and see if something would work. I think that was even before you had mentioned something to me about doing bracketology. If I'm trying to like put the years together or maybe it was later that year that I that I kind of did that for one of the first times. So I don't know. But yeah, so it vaguely rings a bell. And and certainly you and I had, had lots of conversations. And I think similar to what what Ryan said. 
you know, we had started kind of connecting online because I somehow figured out that you were an, an IU guy. And I think when I reached out to you about writing for Midwest sports fans, it was kind of under that premise of, oh, I saw you, you know, you were a, uh, you know, IU grad and, and kind of started talking about it that way. So kind of a kind of a no brainer. And it's it's kind of funny to think about, you know, we, we still talk about some of those early shows and like attempting to take callers and how terrible that idea was. And yeah, it didn't uh, didn't work. They're not. They're not going go great. They're not going great. Although we had to call in. in. Yeah. No, but big ups to, to Tyler Jaranovich, who was also who wrote for us for Midwest Sports Fans and kind of helped us as a producer on some of those early shows. Because Chronic Hoosier actually called in on our second show, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, so well, okay. Yeah. So, so the question is: So I was looking through the emails and I saw this one, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's not a whole lot. There's this thread between Andy and I, and then all of a sudden, I've got the next email about this topic is me saying, "Great job on this, guys! Thanks for taking the time to participate and for having such great points." I think Chronic Hoosier calling in during the second episode and us doubling our live listener count from 17 to 39, and already three archive <laughs> listens <laughs> on a Sunday night is a sign that this is going to catch on. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm pumped. Let's make this the most kick-ass post-game hangout for IU fans on the web. Because if we prove the model, think about how many other teams and other sports this could work for. Think big. But you were you had done that show, Ryan. So how? And I don't have record of how that came about. Do you remember? So I, you had advertised that you were going to do a post-game show with Andy on Twitter. And I reached out to you just like, hey, you know, I, you've helped me out with some stuff at Rumors and Rants and we had, you know, worked together a few times. If you ever need like an extra guest or somebody to fill in, just let me know. And that was that was it. I just said, hey, if you ever need help, you know, I'm obvi- obviously willing to help because um, I was pretty excited. That was Cody Zeller's first year. Uh, and and so you you emailed me and said, well, Andy can't do the first show. <laughs> and that's kind of a bad way to kick things off. It'd be just me talking after the show. Do you want to come on? I was like, sure. And I remember back then I had to call in using my phone. And yeah, I did, too. Was, We're just yeah, using blog was, talk radio. Yeah. And so I called in and did that. And afterward, I remember I don't know if it was you sending me a text or something, but you're like, man, you were really good on the air. We need to, we need to have you do this more often. I was like, oh, I can come on whenever. And it just sort of opened the door and it was kind of like, all right, well, let's all just do it together. Um, so back then I, I was we... actually giving you genuine compliments. That wasn't like, yeah, the no, it was amazing. <laughs> And I was setting the stage for just showing up whenever I felt like it and not not always being on the show. So, look, if you don't establish these ground rules right out of the gate, you just never know. And then and then you're you're there. So it's like, oh, to like, you know, show up to work and things like that. You can't do that. So you're you're listening to the assembly call. This is Jared Morris with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms. We are taking a little break here from talking IU basketball to give the origin story of the assembly call. It was a question that Courtney asked us. Uh, so you're right, Ryan, that was 2011, 12. So this season coming up, we will be our seventh season doing the assembly call. And it's interesting because obviously those first three years of the Tom Crean era, not good. That 2011, 12 season was much better than expected. And that team was just rolling. And I remember it was a running joke early on that Indiana is undefeated when there's been an episode of the assembly call scheduled because Indiana didn't lose until well into December. That was obviously the year that Indiana beat Kentucky and talk about hosting a show by yourself. I hosted the beginning of that show all by myself because Andy couldn't make it. Uh, I was in Chicago Ryan, with my girlfriend in Chicago. watching the game. Yes, Again, and, establishing that I wasn't going to be there no, how, no matter how important the game was. Yes, right. And now, to, in your defense, Ryan, you, or Andy, you did call in. Uh, I did. You know, during I, had the to, show. I had to work. Yeah, I had to work. We had this like, did system not. implementation I, that I kept thinking would get over, and it never got over. And I remember that was also the day that the UC Xavier brawl was, because I listened to that on my phone as well that day, and I was like, I'll get home by the time the IU game is. And I was, 
listening to the the a stream of Fisher on my phone, but it was so far behind that my wife called, told me they won. I hung up on her so that I could listen to Don Fisher's call. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to let you go so I can listen to this. I, the stream was far enough behind that I did that. And then I called Jared and, and attempted to provide commentary or at least allow him to take a breath without having actually watched the game yet at that point. Yeah, I, I was with my girlfriend in Chicago spending the weekend together. And uh, I remember we I, I just played the replay of the show. And the whole first like 10 seconds of it is Jared going, woo. Like, I mean, that is the uh, that's the intro to the show. There's nothing else other than just Jared screaming. I'll, I'll post a link to that show in the show notes. I also had the bright idea of trying to put my phone up to the TV to try and do like listen to the post game celebration or interviews. That didn't go very well. So that guys, was that was good radio. I want to know, yeah. like speaking about like the, having the phone calls, I want to know what your guys like. Do you have a craziest memory of doing the show, like an awkward place you've done it from or like just a weird happening that happened while doing the show? Because I have mine and it was after they lost to Syracuse in in the Sweet 16. <sighs> I called into the show from my phone inside i was at a bar watching the game because my cable in my in the whole apartment building was out so i had to watch it from a bar i went across the street from the bar into a closed shopping mall when it was like five degrees outside in milwaukee i'm inside the shopping mall with a security guard staring at me calling in and telling him look i got to do this radio show i got it's i i have no no and i'm sitting there on my phone doing this with you trying to commiserate with you guys freezing in a like in a in a in a deserted mall at like midnight it was insane i just i mean do you guys have any i've always taken it way too seriously so i've always been like right at my computer like doing it i don't i don't think i've ever done it from like a strange place i had yeah the the one for me was probably um i stopped it was when they they beat michigan to win the big 10 and so i was driving that was when i was commuting between cincinnati and cleveland when i when I was starting a new job and we'll like go back and forth on the weekends, I think weather was supposed to be bad or something. So I didn't stay and watch the game. I listened to it on the radio. Well, anybody who's driven between Cincinnati and Columbus on 71, there's this kind of oddly placed, like not even shopping center, but there's like a hotel and a Max and Irma's. And so I got to a point where like the, I could hear the game was good. There was like two minutes left. So I go into this place, order a beer, proceed to just pound this beer while the last couple minutes of the game I yell a couple things and pound on the bar when they win the game, and then I just turned up, paid my bill, and walked out. I probably was in there for no more than 10 minutes, and the people, I'm sure, all thought I was insane. And then I got back in the car and then called into the show to at least talk about the end part that I saw. I will say, you know, back in the day when we first started doing the show, and I don't do this now, but, you know, every now and then I would have a a nice beverage while watching the game and, you know, come on the show, uh, but always kept it under control. But you all will remember well, most of the time. You, you all will remember the horrible collapse against Penn State during the 2013-14 season. I'm pretty sure I had maybe a few more than usual during that game, and I remember feeling a little not quite myself while uh, while hosting that show. So that that's probably my my craziest story from hosting. But I, I think I think it we went well. Like but I I've tried to quite bl- a few in the aftermath of that. Yeah, I've tried to block out all memory of that game, but. Yeah, know. that yeah, that was before starting we early were a big deal. And yeah, that was before we were a big deal on the radio. Now we all take it super serious. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, so there's obviously a lot more that we could uh, that we could tell Courtney. If you have any other specific questions, we'd love to uh, we'd love to answer. But thank you for asking that. It was actually really fun to go back and remember that. And uh, good off season topic. It is. And uh, you know, all I will say is, you know, we we've done this show as, as Ryan mentioned. We've only been in the same room a couple of times. 
But it, you know, when we did that, it was two years ago in Bloomington. We had our first meetup, and it was crazy. You know, meeting you know both of you who I you know hadn't met before. You know, or I'd met you individually, but we hadn't all been in the same room. And you know, you would think that it might be a little bit awkward or weird, but you know, that same chemistry that we ha- you know have right here doing this was right there. You know, when we met in person. So it's kind of a, a yep. crazy testament to just what what the internet what technology makes possible um yeah we basically sit around and make fun of each other when we're in person too it's it's pretty pretty just like this pretty much our wives and girlfriends just happened to be there for for that one and they could all they could laugh at the jokes with us so that helped all right so that was fun uh we still have a few more minutes left though in the show so come back for our final segment we've got a few other twitter questions we're going to answer them quickly rapid fire style some good ones so stick with us and we will do that next You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. And guys, we've got a few Twitter questions, so let's hit those quickly here in our final segment. The first question comes from Chris. Who's the next recruit to commit for 2018, and will we fill out the roster or hold one for 2019? Ryan, who do you think? I think it's Robert Fennessy. I think that that's, that's the way the winds are, are blowing. I, and I also think he is undervalued nationally. So I think it'd be a great pickup. Uh, as for will we fill out the roster, I think it all depends on who's willing to come. Uh, if you're going to get two great, if you're going to, you know, get another great player, then you're willing to expand this class and not hold one. But I think that the inclination would be to sort of spread them out over two years if you can. Yeah. Uh, but it all depends. I mean, if you're going to get a great player, you jump on it. Yeah. Yeah. Problem is, you only have Morgan would theoretically be the only guy leaving after, you know, we got a big, big class leaving this coming year. And then you've really only got Morgan, I think, is the only uh, right. only junior. And so we're going for a, a lot hard, of good 2019 to players, too, which will be interesting. A lot of five star guys talking Indiana. Uh, OK, so that remains to be seen. Next question from Ian. Andy, would you rather have one year of Romeo or two years of Darius Garland? I'd, one year of Romeo, I think. It just also, it doesn't a, really look like Darius Garland is, you know, yeah, uh, real, Romeo, real possibility. The, the answer is Romeo Langford, guys. I'm sorry. The, the answer is Romeo Langford. There's it is. no what question. I, that's what I said. This is my turn for yeah. the question. That, that was, okay, but that, I, that I, was kind of an easy down. one. Andy, you can have the next one. Okay, this is from Michael. Picks for surprising starters, and he offers up Devontae Green and Justin Smith as possibilities. He clearly just – he either overlooked Curtis Jones or he's assuming that Curtis Jones will be a starter and that wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, or he's not as obsessed with Curtis as you are. Yeah. Curtis Jones is your new Stan Robinson, I, I fear. <laughs> Andy, who do you think here? Pick for surprising <laughs> I, starters. I would, uh, I, you know, I've talked a about Devontae Green in the offseason being a potential starter that I think he fits a lot of what Archie wants to do. Younger guy, the air on the side of that, uh, of a guy that you can really, you know, kind of build and start to groom. So I think of anybody, I think he's the one, uh, he's the one that I would say, probably the one Ryan would say as well. Yeah, I, I don't even think that would be that surprising. I think given the way he plays defense and his his commitment to it, I think Archie's going to love him, and I think that that's, that's a good fit there. You think he and starts he over sort of, Newkirk? Because, I mean, I'm guessing when he says surprising starters, this is assuming Johnson, Newkirk, Morgan, Hartman, and Deron Davis are your opening day starters. I'm not saying I think he starts over Newkirk, but I'm saying if he did, I wouldn't find it terribly surprising if he was starting by the end of the year, just because I think he fits what Archie Miller wants to do perfectly. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, this question from Jack. Will Deron Davis average 15-plus points this year, and who will get the start alongside Robert Johnson this year? Andy, what do you think? Uh, I, I would say yes. I mean, I think he's going to get every chance to uh, you know, to get the ball a lot in the post, and uh, I think if this season is going to be successful, certainly I think him averaging you know, 15 points a game would do it. 
And as far as who gets to start alongside Rojo, I mean, I guess I go back to the other one, the, the prior question. Um, if there's a surprise guy, it's Devontae Green. If there's a expected guy, it's probably Newkirk because it feels like, you know, the Duran Davis, uh, Juwan Morgan, Colin Hartman feels like those are going to be, uh, you know, be starters. I would, I would imagine. And then you, you know, would weave in Rojo and, and I guess I, you know, I'll, I'll stick with green, but I think Newkirk is the other uh, potential choice there. Yeah. You know, we should disqualify people who ask two questions in one tweet. It's it. Look, we ask for your Twitter questions. Ask us a question, then ask us another question in a separate tweet. Don't ask two in one tweet. That's wow. why I, I we, think hey, we've never we've never stipulated that before. So let's give folks well, a chance to I, adjust. Okay, let's put the foot down then. Uh, you yes, answered a the, question at the beginning of the segment that was two questions. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying. I'm not saying I'm consistent. I'm, I'm blaming them, not me. I'm perfect. Uh, Unless you want to ask I a think, multi-part question about San Diego high schools, then it's totally yeah, fine. It's fine. Like well, a choose-your-own-adventure yeah, yeah, type scenario, then it's okay. Okay, we got we got 50 seconds left. Matt's question is a good one. End of the year for IUBB, who do you think is our rotation of eight players? So, again, let's assume Robert Johnson, Deron Davis, Juwan Morgan, Colin Hartman, Josh Newkirk. We'll throw Devontae Green in there because you guys both think that. Who else is in the rotation uh, at the end of the year? Andy. Two more uh, players. I think Clifton Moore has to be one, and I guess wow. I'll say I guess I'll say Freddie McSwain, but um, but then that that kind of leaves Curtis Jones out. So if I had to pick nine, I'd add those two to the you know to the six that you mentioned, or those three to the six you mentioned. You guys are going to uh, start trolling I, me by just not mentioning Curtis Jones now. I see how that was I not think, that was I not doing Curtis, that. I just looked at who was. All right, ten seconds, Ryan. K- Curtis Jones, McSwain, and McRoberts are going to be in there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what freshmen make their way in. That'll be an interesting storyline as we go through the season, which we look forward to. All right, well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Discover the new three-step pro partial range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.